Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 285 with Tara Winston. I think you'll enjoy this chat with Tara because she is laying it out, what it takes to get promoted for real and the processes and what to do to make those work ever so much more in your favor. So you'll learn one, the two major considerations for anyone who wants to get promoted. Two, goal setting considerations to align yourself with your boss's needs. And three, the why and how of promoting yourself. So if you would like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, it's on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F285. Now here's Tara's story. Tara Winston is the ringleader of Interactions and principal of Interact Consulting. For over 20 years, she has impacted thousands of people through her leadership programs and coaching. A lifelong learner, she has channeled her passions into success in multiple arenas, from engineering to HR, from corporate America to entrepreneurship. Tara holds a bachelor's in systems engineering from the University of Virginia, an MBA from Stanford, and coaching certification from CTI. And she's also a not-so-secret super fan of Doctor Who. So thanks to Tara for sharing her time with us, and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're, like many small business owners, looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Here is Tara. Tara, hello and welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to have you. And I learned a little bit about you. And one thing is that you have a passion for Doctor Who. Tell us about this. Oh, Pete, I do. I really do. And I have to say, this is what happens when you don't have good cable coverage. (laughs) (laughs) You got to go to the UK. (laughs) You you, you end up like following monsters. I actually, there, there was a point in time when all the cable companies switched over to digital. And so I had a TV in my bedroom that did not have a cable box. And I was like, am I going to pay money for my bedroom? No, I'm not. And what that relegated me to was 13 beautiful channels, just 13. And so there, so I found myself at times at night, no, I don't want the news. No, I don't want the infomercial. Hey, what is this? And there I found this crazy British show with some of the worst special effects I've ever seen. <laughs> but it wasn't the news or an infomercial. And so I started watching in the background and I fell in love with it. And I think what still connects me, I know there are tons of people just like me come out the shadows and admit it that are Doctor Who fans is the promise of exploring all of space and time. And as a learner, like that, that to me 
it's it's all the possibilities. Why wouldn't I want to follow that? Well, it does sound like fun. You know, I have never actually seen the show. In prepping for this interview, I just was pulling up Wikipedia and YouTube. I was like, okay, I know Doctor Who is a show, UK, <laughs> sci-fi, but I've, I've heard of it many, many, many times, but never actually seen it. And, and so I understand the latest, this is no spoiler, this is in the news, the latest regeneration of Doctor Who for the first time is a woman. It's a huge deal, the yeah. Hoover. But like I said, all the possibilities. How wonderful is that, that you can have a legacy character and it can grow with the times. Quite frankly, if we looked at some of our other longstanding television shows, you kind of wish they would evolve, right? James Bond will be a woman next time. <laughs> Jeanette Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Jeanette Bond. And, and you don't want to know where she hides the gun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're warmed up. Thank you. <laughs> well, so tell us what, what's your company interactions all about, which is a very clever name. You got the capital T for the Terra in the middle of interactions. What, what's the story here? First of all, the name is one that people always wonder. And I will tell you, this is what happens when you're trying to find buy an URL and everything is taken. Even crazy words like Google are taken. You have to start resorting to slamming your name in the middle of words to see what works. But I, I you know, interactions for me is is a place that helps good people do great things. And so I get to work with individuals and entrepreneurs and leaders and even whole teams and help knock down all the barriers that keep them from fulfilling their highest potential. And so whether I, I'm doing coaching or whether my team is doing training or even facilitation or consulting, we're really about problem solving and get all the mess out of the way so that you can be your best. Well, that's good. And so I was in learning about you, something that really resonated for me as a potential fit between what you know and what my listeners want to know is you do some real work with professionals about getting promoted and sort of how that is done. And, <laughs> and so I'd love to get your take. You, you've talked to a lot of people in a lot of environments and backgrounds, and you've had the fortune of going deep with that coaches CTI training. Oh yeah. So tell us, how should we start thinking about it? If folks are looking to get promoted, what's sort of your main uh, philosophy or orienting principles to, to start the journey? So now, Pete, I have to warn you, I'm from Jersey originally. What that means is I'm very practical. And that's how I dig into my work as, as a coach. I'm, and I think back to my time in HR, my time as a coach, and, and all the, the various industries and leaders I've worked with. And I will tell you, this: I repeat the same advice for anyone who wants to get promoted. Number one, understand who promotes you. And then number two, understand what they value. And when oftentimes people get that, get that mixed up. So it is very rare in an organization that only your manager has a responsibility and the ability to promote you by themselves. It usually requires enrolling people. Chances are there's a conference room full of folks, probably your boss's peers and, and the, the manager above that probably HR, then there may even be some other hangers on that all kind of get in this conversation and have to vet whether or not someone can be promoted. And if you're not aware of that, it's very easy to think that you're that you're killing it in terms of your work, but not realizing that there are other factors at play. Oh, Tara, I love that so much. This reminds me when I was uh, an intern at Bain and I was all about getting that job offer and I had a sort of like an aha moment in which I assumed 
that the manager was the person who made the decision. That's what, what I was told. And that's what, and so I was working closely with this guy, Kyle, he was awesome. And his title was a senior associate consultant. And so we were doing the most of the day-to-day work, but Kyle was so cool and friendly. And I just thought we were like buds. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so then he was, he was talking about, Hey, you know, they've made some mistakes here. You know, we got to really sharpen some things up, you know, for the offer. And I was like, Oh, you know, isn't it, uh, is it the manager who makes the offer? So she's like, well, well, yeah, but you know, I have the primary input into that decision because I'm kind of day to day working with you and seeing, seeing what you can do. And I said, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be dazzling you. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought we were just buds, Kyle. (laughs) And and he's like, well, yes, I, I would like to be dazzled. (laughs) And he's like, okay, thank you. This, uh, this was helpful. It's so true. And, and it's not always easy. And I will tell you, I've actually coached people who have been in organizations for 10, 15 years and the landscape can change. And so the people who were involved with promoting you, you know, five years ago, the organization may have, may have reorged the power structure could have changed just in, in terms of politics. And all of a sudden you find out the people that, that were involved with your promotion before aren't as involved anymore. So you got to stay on top of that. And I'm intrigued to what extent is because you've worked in many different organizations, to what extent is this kind of like, you know, quiet and uh, enshrouded in mystery, you know, the council of elders you know, who make the determination versus it's very much clearly out in the open? Or how do you gather that information? Is it as easy as saying, hey, who all makes the decision or how do you get it? Well, you, you'd actually be surprised. Most of it is pretty, actually pretty open, but we just don't think about it. So for bigger companies, uh, you know, I say mid-sized and bigger companies that have the annual career planning management planning process. What you know, they usually start at some point with you being given goals and objectives during your manager sit down with. And then there's a point in the mid-year when you we talk about your career and how you're doing against your goals. And at the end of the year, you'll get your review and then that will then lead to next year and, and usually some, you know, maybe some money involved. Now, what's going along with that, that's often called the performance management process. There's a back end to that, right? So when your manager takes back your objectives or your ratings, they go into meeting with usually their peers or some subset of their peers, and they are talking about you versus someone else on another team. That process is, is usually very clearly outlined. And if you were to ask your manager, well, how do you guys come to, to ratings? Or what's the process that where you guys determine who gets promoted? They can very clearly tell you, we just don't ask. And it usually isn't something that involves you to be involved in. And so they don't think to tell you. So you'll at least get the primary players. Now, all the influencers, some of that, it's just a, it's a matter of, of you know, asking some of people who may have been there. That's where mentors and sponsors come in great in an organization. But you should be able to very clearly figure out who the group is. Now, for those of us who work in smaller organizations, it may be a single line. It could very well be your manager and then the owner of the business. Or or if, the, if your manager is the owner of the business, ta-da, you know exactly who makes all the decisions. But you should be able to ask and get 90% of the way there. Okay, that's good. Thank you. All right. And so then when you talked about the goals, I want to get your take on how often are the stated goals the real goals versus you know, should you push harder and get after something that actually matters more to your boss and your boss's boss and, and the organization at large? Okay. Now that like, I love this question because remember I said there were two pieces. It was knowing who promotes you and knowing what they value. Right. And so the goals that you have 
are very similar to your job description, and, and they, they list what your role should be. Now, that doesn't tell you anything necessarily about what it takes to get ahead. What that tells you is what your minimum expectations are. And we tend to get that that a little bit twisted. When it comes to the realities, but, you know, your manager and everyone that promotes you, they're humans with all the, the beautifulness and the flaws of being human. So there will be some things that may be on your plate that are more interesting to them because it makes them look good. Or it may be something they're more concerned about. Or maybe they just happen to love that area. So there'll be things that are on your plate that they go, ooh, and there'll be things that are on your plate that they go, okay. Yeah. And so, you know, I, you know the sound effects really <laughs> help, actually. I like that. You know, so my very scientific <laughs> way. <laughs> well, because because you're right. Like, you know, some of them make they go, ooh, because it's like, ooh, there's a lot of dollars associated with this. And that's very exciting. And other times it's not even rational like that. It's like, yeah, that is a dumb process that we've had for a long time. And I hate it. And you, oh, you're going to go fix it once and for all. Ooh. You know, that, that is exciting to me. I value that. And I'm ex- and that gets me going, even if maybe the, the, the size of the prize in dollar terms, you know, might not be that huge. Exactly. And I've coached people who have lost promotions to peers who didn't stack up the same amount of numbers, that didn't deliver on all the objectives in the same way. And, and it feels very hurtful. But what they did do were, were things that were either visible or highly valued to the people making decisions. And that's not fair. But that's reality, right? So, so getting a sense for kind of what those things are, I will, and I'll tell you the other piece. Of, you know, we, goals can also be very misleading. I can't even tell you the number of times I've been brought in where the leadership in the organization says this person is not ready to be promoted. Okay. They have everything that they need, but they're still not ready. And when I ask, well, what is that thing holding them back? It may be something like executive presence. Do they have the gravitas? Do they have the temperament? Are they showing up as a leader? Nothing to do with their work. And then I go and I meet with the with the individual and I say, why do you think you have been promoted? And the person says, I'm not working hard enough. I just need to deliver on these goals. Powerful disconnect. Powerful disconnect. And, it, and it's so easy to, to run yourself into a corner and then be really disillusioned. That's how good people get lost. And so, you know, so... Paying attention to the goals are, are great. Understanding what people value, and, and that is what they value in terms of the task and what they value in terms of the relationship and the being of a leader. Yes, that's great. And so when it comes to getting a sense for what they value, and I think one action step is just to observe where are their oohs versus us, and, and, and do they <laughs> seem engaged and asking follow-up questions that our eyes are, are getting brighter? So what are some other pro tips for gathering this intelligence on what the folks value. So people will always ask about a lot, the things that that matter to them. So when you get to a one-on-one or when you, when you happen to be talking, you know, those infamous elevator conversations and you're kind of bumping into people and they say, Hey, how's that so-and-so project going? That tells you that that's something that's big enough on their mind. They didn't ask you how that report B1716C paperwork was going. So they will tell you with attention. Also, pay attention to town halls or announcements. You know, what are the types of projects or, or programs or initiatives that get the, the big billing? And then kind of where does that trickle down to your work? In those places, you can tell that those are important initiatives to people. You know, and, and last resort is, you know, sit down and talk to your manager or talk to someone else. Say, I've got, I'm working on all these things. What do you think is the most exciting piece? 
right? And, and now what you're not asking is, where should I put my energy? Because they're going to tell you everything because that is the responsible thing to say. But tell me, you know, like of all the work that I'm, that I'm working on, what do you think is the most exciting for the company? Or you know, give me your opinion and your, their opinions will let, let you get a, a glimpse into the things that, that turn them on. You can hear it in their voice at that point. All right. That's good. Okay. Well, maybe could you give us a story or uh, an example that can make some of this stuff come to life here? Absolutely. So I, I actually, I, I want to continue the story about, about the poor guy who thought he had to work harder to get his promotion. I mean, it, it was interesting because I, you know, I, I, as a coach, I can't come in and say, I've spoken to everyone and they say that your work is great, but you just don't seem like a leader. And I, and I will tell you like the, the frustration that I had is that is they they absolutely said to me like he just doesn't seem like it and we can't we can't articulate why right and so I, I come to this this poor person and I and I I had to observe him and get a sense for uh, how he showed up in a room and I will tell you the little things that we did and I think this is the important piece of it remember it was about presence the piece that was so critical is he just needs to show up with more power and I, so the things that we worked on he believe it or not was where he sat in the room the pacing, you know, we looked at, at the at the way that he was dressed and, and the way that he delegated to people, in, you know, while in the room, right? So he, because he was he was a servant leader, he was someone who was he was so gracious. He was the exact kind of person that you want to be a leader, not one of these blowhard people. But he was getting he was getting axed out because people couldn't see how great he was. He didn't always deliver his confidence, and so, but by understanding number one. What is the culture of success? So there's a success profile in every organization, good, bad, or indifferent. When you look at the types of people that that get the best opportunities, the people that get promoted, that move up fast, you will start to look and see patterns. And so where those patterns are, it will give you a sense for the types of attributes, leadership attributes that are that are valued for a success profile. And you start to look at where are their gaps, right? So these people always seem to be, be very extroverted. I tend to be very introverted. Now, the answer is not then to change who you are, but the answer is to figure out how to use your strengths to deliver the same general feel. So for, the, for this guy, you know, who, was, who tend to be a bit introverted, and like I said, the nicest of people, to show power, there's one version of power that bangs on the table, but we worked on showing, showing power by, by granting power to others. Right. So understanding that that part of how he was showing up and how it, how it then related to how we got his, he got his goals done. We were able to get him pat over this hump. Yeah, that, that's intriguing when you, you talk about the, the profiles of power and the patterns that show up. I was, was doing some Myers-Briggs coaching one on one for all of these rising executives at a international beverage company. I will, I will not say any names. And, um, and it was fascinating how time and time again, it was like extroversion, extroversion, extroversion was popping up. And sometimes as, you know, part of the, the coaching, trying to help them see, you know, the, the value of different preferences and, and all that. I was like, oh, so can you think of some folks that you work with who prefer introversion? And some of them were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, really? This isn't going how I expected. But it was startling. Then when I did talk to a couple of those who preferred introversions, like it was almost like they were they were like in the closet. You know, they were they were it was like, oh yeah, this is what I what I really like is just to be able to think about things for a while. And I it's so exhausting, you know, being around these folks. And and so I think that is 
That's interesting to highlight that explicitly. And you said good, bad, and different. And I like that because at times I think you'll notice that, you know, you may not just resonate with that. I, I think I, I've seen it in some organizations. It's like, wait a minute, this rock star, see, I'm noticing, you know, I, I noticed, you know, time and time again, this person seems to be doing all this extra work that doesn't really seem urgent or essential, but mm-hmm. she just busts it out time after time after time. And, oh, there she is getting an earlier promotion. <laughs> it's like, oh, so I, I guess I guess we love that around here. It sort of opens your eyes there. It absolutely does. And that's why knowing who promotes you, you know, starts to play into this, right? So say I am one of those introverts in that, in that extrovert international beverage company that you talked about. And I feel like I'm, I need to be heard, but people can't hear me in big groups. I may schedule one-on-ones with some of the people that are in the promotion room. You know, now you don't, you don't schedule a meeting and say, I want to talk to you so that you can say something nice about me when it comes time for promotion. But you start to build those relationships. You, you casually drop in some of the work that you've been doing that they may not hear about because your voice just isn't as loud as everyone else's. When they get into the room, they will then be able to access that, right? And so like, you play them together. Well, and so I'd love to get your take here in terms of this is an issue that comes up with listeners frequently. They'll say they get feedback that they are great. You know, they're, they're doing great work. They're, they're a top performer, all, all this stuff. They're very impressive in these ways, you know, but, oh, unfortunately, there are just no advancement opportunities available. So I'd love your take, Tara, on when you hear that message, what are your options? All right. So... First, you're, you're totally allowed to go home and grab a drink and be really mad. Like okay. That is by far, <laughs> I can grant you permission to, to feel that way because I think one of the, the dirty little secrets about organizations is that they actually don't exist solely to man- help you manage your career. They actually are doing their business. And so it really is this, this lovely combination of, are you ready? And is there an opportunity that the company needs? And so it can be really frustrating when those two things don't line up. So number one, I don't want you to have despair. That's not about you. I think sometimes we take that as a hit uh, to ourselves. But after you do that, whilst you're waiting for, for a position to open, Know that you own your career. So you should, if you can't get promoted in the company, you should be promoting yourself in your own role. And this is what I mean, right? So a promotion is, is someone giving you a bigger scope, a bigger impact, bigger responsibility, or a new experience, right? That's, that technically is what a promotion is. I know we all tend to think of, of the extra money that comes with it and the title, but, but really a promotion is about increasing your impact in some kind of way. So you do that. So talk to your manager and think about, okay, I'm working on the, on this one project and it, it impacts our region. What can I do that maybe will cross uh, several regions or multiple functions? What type of additional work can I do? Can I look at my manager's plate and offer to take something off of that so that I can grow my expertise. So you should be increasing your scope. So you basically, you're going to give yourself your own promotion. By doing that, when something else comes up, and it always will, because business changes so, changes so fast, you will have demonstrated skill impact at the next level. Because that that sometimes that gap is what people believe we can do versus what they've seen us do. So you have already demonstrated that and made it very visible. And oh, by the way, even if you decide not to stay at the organization, you can then use that extra experience to parlay yourself into a promotion at, at some, somewhere else. Okay, that's good. And so I'd like to 
think a little bit here. Do you have any sort of pro tips in the sort of in the bite-sized department? Any any tips, tools, tactics, favorite scripts or key phrases, sentences you would love to say or suggest to folks when they're playing this game? So I've got two. One one is is immediate. You can use immediately and one that may take you a little bit longer. So the first one, the quick one, likability is the killer app. It always, always is the killer app. So we tend to work with people that we like. We give people extra chances if we like them. Right? If we've built some type of connection, if you make a mistake, I'm more likely to give you some grace for it. I'm more likely to see your potential if I think that you're someone that's likable. And what happens for, you know, we have all these wonderfully nice people when we work with them as peers, but they go into a meeting with someone who maybe has some influence and they're so focused on proving their credibility that they let nerves erode the personality that they have. All right. Yeah. So I work with executives and I have some executives that they, they'll call me before they're going into major meetings and we'll run, we'll just run through kind of what they need to cover. And number one, number one is usually they called you into this meeting so they know how good you are. You just need to make them like you. Right. And so I, what I will, you know, what I tend to tell anyone going to networking at all is number one, you want them to like you. Number two, you want them to think you're smart. Number three, maybe I want to stay connected. Nothing else matters. You don't have to convince them to marry you on the first date, right? So likability is the thing that you can start today. Let your personality shine through. Let people see how great you are and make that connection and it will take you so much further. All right, thank you. So the longer term one is actually some of the best career advice I've ever gotten. I can't take credit for it because someone gave it to me. And what he said to me was, it is always easier to stand out when you have a job or a role that does not have many peers. So if you think about many, com- you know, in the typical company, maybe there's there's an army of accountants or there's a, there's HR people in every region and, and all those things. When you do really well, you have to do exceptionally well to stand out from the crowd because everyone's doing well. Or you may stand out because you had a, a particularly bad year. But when, when there's lots of comparison points, it's really hard to stand out. But if, if you're willing to take a risk and take a role that maybe does not have as many peers, you know, so, you know, I wasn't accounted, but I'm going to, I'm going to work on this new turnaround. So everyone's, you know, it just feels different. Then they don't have as many people to compare it to. So every victory looks like a bigger victory. I love that. And right now I'm thinking, <laughs> well, because I've, I've created this course and I'm working with designers, uh, I'm thinking about how easily impressed I am. <laughs> by, by the output of designers, just because I'm so terrible at like drawing. I think I know what's good when I see it, kind of, mm-hmm. but in terms of actually, if I get into Photoshop, you know, I shouldn't be trusted with much other than just like <laughs> basically rearranging things symmetrically is about what you can trust me with there. So I'm depending on, on these designers and, and I'm just so impressed, like, wow. Oh, and mm-hmm. I know for them, it's like, yeah, that took me 10 minutes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I love that notion because sure enough, if you are the, the designer amongst the accountants or or the turnaround specialist or the keynote speaker, or the coach or whatever, it's sort of having being distinctly different from those, they are readily impressed. And so that that's good to chew on for a little while there. <laughs> It's so good. I wish I got it earlier in my career, but I now pass it on to all of you. Yeah. And at the same time, it does feel like a greater risk because like, oh, I, ha- I have fewer role models or potential mentors who can you know, show me what I'm doing right or wrong or, or, or to model from. 
you know, but so that's kind of, it's kind of nice. It's like higher risk, higher reward. But if you have some other prudent approaches to fill any potential knowledge gaps you have, then you you kind of have the best of both worlds. Absolutely. And remember, we're talking, you know, if everyone that's listening to us is a high potential, right? And so if you if you want to sit, I guess it's the opposite advice. If you want to sit in the middle of, middle of the pack and not not have anybody make too many waves, then choose a role that has lots of peers, right? And it, work, it works both ways. And you get to choose the kind of life that you want. But there is no high chance of promotion without a risk of failure. And And I will tell you that, Failure by itself will not stop your career. It's, it's so much more about how you react, respond, and recover from failure. That is what gets you by. And if you have confidence, not only in yourself willing to take the risk, but willing to know that whatever you trip up on, you can figure it out, that's your key to win. That's good. Well, Tara, I'd also love to get your take since you do that good coaching stuff. Can you share what's maybe some of the irrational stuff that we got going on that can impede the promotions from happening, whether it's limiting beliefs or risk not taken or safety. What what do you see in terms of, of high-performing folk in terms of some suboptimal stuff going on in their mind that is limiting? So confidence. Confidence by far is, is the biggest one. But and I know we're used to hearing that all the time. But what I see is people, they devalue those things that come easy to them. And so Rather than saying, hey, this is a core strength of mine, let me use this and show up in my core strength within discount. Oh, well, if I did that and it was so easy, it must not have been a big deal. And we don't showcase it. So we then spend all our time on some of the things that may that may not be our towering strengths because we're trying to we're trying to overcome our weaknesses. And so what you end up doing is discounting the places where you're superstar, amplifying the places where you might be average. And that has never been the key to promoting yourself. I think another piece of it is, is we struggle with this balance between humility and arrogance and self-promotion. We're now so busy in organizations that there is not one person, including your direct manager, who knows all of what you do. And so if you don't find a way to tell them, then it's very easy for your great accomplishments to to be drowned out by even mediocre accomplishments by someone else who is out there screaming from the rooftops, look what I did, look what I did. And at, and at times it can it can really feel like a, an internal distress. When I worked at a, a large international beverage company myself <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I did work in diversity, I would work with some of the groups who who would say, Tara, culturally Growing up from the time when I was young, I was told not to boast about myself. We have a we have a collective community focus. You don't stand out. But then I come to corporate America or corporate Western Europe or corporate anywhere at this point, and you keep telling me that I'm supposed to to stand up and put a spotlight on myself and scream about how great I am. I can't get over that voice in my in my gut, my grandmother's voice that's telling me that that's the wrong thing to do. So am I? Am I destined just to not get what I deserve? And the answer is no. You find your own way. And that's, again, looking at your strengths. If you if certain people need to know what you, what you do, can you go in and teach a lunch and learn? Can you mentor someone? Can you find other ways to get your name out there so that people know what you do? So I, I can give you an example. I Believe it or not, I found myself in one of those infamous elevator pitch moments. There was someone who was, you know, my boss's 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 boss. 
adjacent. <laughs> so someone very senior for me. And uh, I was in the human resources team. And there, there was a big movement going on around um, organization design. And so now I find myself alone in an elevator with this person. And I, and either I can shrink in the back and hopefully like, you know, fade into, into the, the woodwork or I can step up. And what I said to this person, like I, I happened to, when I was in at a consulting firm, I'd worked on the organization design methodology. And I said, and, and so I said to, to this very senior person, you know, heard the town hall, glad we're doing work in this area. I actually did some work, you know, back when I was at a consulting firm, if you ever want, you know, what I'll, I can get some of the information to your assistant in case you need it. And so by being of service, the senior person, A, knew my name, B, knew where, you know, I had a background in consulting and I had done some org design work and I was going to follow up with information. So there, so find ways to kind of bring some visibility to it. And a lot of times high potential people, you know, are very confident in that the good work will be noticed. And unfortunately, people are so busy, they don't always notice it. Right. Thank you. Well, that's powerful stuff. Thank you. Well, tell us, is there anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? No, I think that's it. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, then, could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Okay, so I have a favorite quote, but I feel like it's everybody's favorite quote, and it's the one from Marion Williamson. You know, the the fact that our deepest fears is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. And it it, it speaks to me because I used to be so introverted. And it is what governs the coaching work that I do is so often the thing that is the key to people's absolute phenomenal success is something hiding behind their fear. And so when I, when we get to work together and we get to identify the, the again, it's like, it's like a stone standing in the way of, of this raging river of potential and we can knock that fear aside. I have just seen, I've seen people, I've seen businesses, I've seen teams flourish. Awesome. Thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or piece of research? There was a study that talked about the power, the power of loose networks. And so what it said was, if you want to create more opportunity in your life, you it is not your closest friends and closest associates that will bring in. It actually is that next level of you think if you think of your network as concentric circles. And the reason why is because your closest friends that you spend time with, they're everywhere where you are. If there was something they had heard about it, they would have told you already. Whereas the next level out of people, you know, who are in other bubbles, as, as we now call it, they have an opportunity to see things and, and, and channel them to you. And so uh, that so that had been a study that I absolutely comment on again and again until about two months ago. I, I did some research. I was curious if it was still still adequate, if anyone had updated that, that survey and the study, and I found out that they had. And that was true kind of early internet days when the challenge was visibility to opportunity. Now with the way that the internet is, you know, we actually have ways to see more and more of things that were probably hidden in pockets. Now I still, I still stand by the, that the power of loose ties is, is still relevant, but what, what the newest studies have, have actually circulated is that we now live in a world where you can see everybody, but you don't know who's legit. Right, I can look at your LinkedIn profile, but how do I know who like who I can spend time, money, energy on? And so now there's a rising importance of the power of former coworkers or people that not just are loose in your network, but loose in your network that that have 
personal experience of your work. That is where the credibility factor lies. And now the issue is, isn't as much information and transparency is credibility. So how are you leveraging those networks, I think, is the next level um, of what we need to do better. Well, thank you. And how about a favorite book? Right now, I am in love with The Power of Moments by Chip and Dan Heath. The book talks about what is it that makes a mo- any given moment special. That could be a moment in customer service. That could be creating the, the best family vacation experience. Like why, why do certain things stand out in our minds? And other things kind of get washed away with the, the the sands of time. And so we now, but you hear people say we live in, in, a, in an experience economy where it's not about the stuff, it's about the things that you do. And I think we're on overload so much. Those of us who learn how to create moments are going to be the winners. Thank you. And how about a favorite tool, something that helps you be awesome at your job? Okay, my tool is a person. <laughs> <laughs> my, you know, my, my, yeah, I, I won't tell that person <laughs> that you think he or she is a tool. <laughs> That's the wrong way to put it. She's going to kill me because she's going to listen to this. I have the most amazing virtual assistant. And I think the virtual assistant services is something that many budding entrepreneurs don't necessarily get very early. But having having someone that has my back makes a big difference. And so and you know, I want to translate for those of you guys that are that are working, that are working in, in companies, and maybe you're like, well, Tara, I can I don't have an assistant necessarily for my team, but having someone that you can bounce ideas off of, someone that that you can sit down and, and talk about what your priorities are, whoever that person is, and, you know, my my virtual assistant plays that role, and she, you know, we, she's actually my chief of staff for my business, and so I I think everyone needs. Um, someone that they can be fully themselves and and their guard down, someone that will give them the kind of feedback, but there's not a risk of it being from maybe, you know, an evaluation perspective. And having a right hand in that way is phenomenal. And anyone and everyone should have one. Okay, thank you. And how about a favorite habit, something that helps you flourish? So networking is one of those words that I actually ban a bunch of my my clients from saying because it, it dredges up all this, these feelings for people who aren't necessarily extroverts or who, who just don't love networking. And so I'm a big believer in making authentic connections and that can be with anybody. And one of the things that I always do at the end of, of connecting with someone is I ask them what I can do to bring them closer to their dreams. And they could be what do you need in your regular life? It could be a career thing that you have. Maybe you just need the perfect pound cake recipe. So why, <laughs> why not ask? And we, we I need it, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> it is so bad. But, but we are terrible at asking for help. And so oftentimes, like the number of times that, that what you voice is something that I have access to. Now, I may not, but how would you know if you don't ask? And so rather than forcing someone to ask, I take it upon myself to ask them. And let's hear that question one more time. Yeah. You know, so how can I bring you closer to your dreams? I like that. It, it sounds better than how can I make your dreams come true? Because it's like, are you hitting on me right now? <laughs> but, but, okay, but it's still succinct. Okay. I, I like that. And and it's a little bit more, I think it inspires more imagination than how could I be helpful to you? So I like that. Exactly. Because people don't always need help. That's good. That's good. And, and sometimes it, it might just be like, you know what? I want to have grass in my backyard. And I don't know who to help me. It's like, oh, well, I know a guy. You know, and sure enough, <laughs> their networking is happening. You know, relationships strengthen and build. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay, thank you. And tell us, is there a particular nugget you share that 
tends to really connect, resonate with folks and gets quoted back to you? Yes. So, there, so there's a bunch of them. Some of them are not, not for G rating. You guys have to work with me as, as, a, as a coach <laughs> and I'll give you some of the ones I, we, we have a good time with me and my clients, but no, um, the one that actually, that is really fundamental for me is stop living someone else's life. It's so easy to live your life based on a set of shoulds. This is what I should have. Well, I'm supposed to be promoted. Well, why? Well, because that's what you do next. Do you want that job? Do you have other dreams? Like, you know, is is this job that you're doing right now, does it exist solely for you to save money to to start that business that you want to do or to to move halfway across the world and, and 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 live life as a nomad? Well, if that's the case, then does promotion get you any closer? Or is it just speaking to something that you you feel like you're an autopilot for? And the number of times when we stop and really ask ourselves, is this what I really want? The answer is like, no, but I don't know what else I'm supposed to have. So stop living someone else's life. Live yours. You only have one. Thank you. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch. Tara, where would you point them? Please. I love connecting with new people. I am at Tara Winston on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram because I'm not that creative with my names. So <laughs> just use my name everywhere I go. Come to my website, interactions.com. You know, we post information and, and, and get connected. I would love to, to find out how I, can help, how I can help you towards your dreams too. And do you have a final challenge or call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Absolutely. So for those of you who are in your jobs, if you do nothing else, nothing else today. Go to your list of annual goals. And I want you to identify the three, no more than three, that are the most valued by your manager. Now, remember, we talked about the ways that you can tell, but stop looking at everything on your to-do list as, as having equal value to the people around you. So go through, identify what are the top priorities, and then figure out how do you manage your discretionary energy in a way that gets you where you want to go? All right. Tara, thank you so much for, for sharing this. Excellent stuff. Uh, hopefully there'll be many promotions birthed from this conversation. <laughs> and I wish you lots of luck at all you're up to. Thank you, Pete. I absolutely had a, had a blast. It's a great podcast. I really enjoyed Tara's take, particularly taking the time to get clear on what's important to your boss. We heard that earlier in Managing Your Manager, episode 275 with Mary Abajay. And it's coming home yet again in terms of zeroing in on that priority. And you might well save some time and, and get home a little earlier, not stress yourself out crazy style doing everything, but rather just the most critical things to those folks who are, are watching and, and determining a bit of your fate there. So again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced, the link there is awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep285. If you have not already, I encourage you to push the subscribe button. You'll hear from our next guest. It is Whitney Johnson. And Whitney is talking about how to disrupt yourself, manage your learning curve, as well as managing multiple learning curves of, of those you may be leading or managing to get that optimal blend so that good things are flowing. Until next time, peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.